0: Welcome to Line It Up with Roland Corporation. Hello, and welcome to Line It Up, brought to you by Roland. I'm your host, James Kent. Today, we're going to be discussing linear electromechanical actuators. Joining me to provide all of the insights and details are my guests, Bob Ward, regional manager, and Christopher Hirsch, actuator project manager, both from Roland. Bob and Chris, glad to have you on the show. How are you both doing today?
1: Doing great, James. Doing great as well. Thanks for having us.
0: Super. I'm going to kick us off with perhaps the most obvious question. What is a linear actuator?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Go ahead, Chris.
1: So I guess the technical definition is it's a device that converts a rotary motion into a linear motion, but what that really means is... uh, You know, you take a a rotary motion such as a a servo motor or stepper motor, and you turn it into motion that moves in one direction.
2: Yeah, I would drill down uh, or actually not drill down, but go up a little further to say that, um, you know, there's lots of different types of linear actuators that, you know, people are generally familiar with. You know, if you don't have a technical audience here that, you know, there are things like the gas spring struts on the hatchback of your car is actually a linear actuator where it has, you know, a straight line motion that has a motive force, in this case, the gas inside the spring. So that's a linear actuator of of type. So generally it's something to provide straight line motion and accomplish some work or a task.
0: So besides pickup trucks, uh, how do they work and where do you use them?
1: With each uh, linear actuator, there's a, a drive mechanism and there's typically a guide mechanism as well. So the actuators that we carry are either belt driven, ball screw driven or rack driven. And then for the guides, we offer uh, recirculating ball guides or roller type guides. Um, each mechanism has its strengths and weaknesses, and uh, you know appropriate applications.
0: Is there anything happening today that is causing increased usage of linear actuators?
2: Yeah, I would say we know from working at Rolong, we're definitely in a, a growth spurt market uh, right now, um, where you're seeing increasing focus by our customers actually that for factory automation, robotics, artificial intelligence type applications, where now you're you're advancing the work related inside a lot of factories to be to uh, you know into robotic cells or automation cells. So that definitely is driving the need for smart devices. As Chris already said, these are what we have and and present to customers are electromechanical, meaning that they're driven by electric motors in general.
0: What are some of the pros and cons of electric linear actuators? Are are there different levels of precision?
1: Yeah, so that's uh, one of the primary benefits of an electric linear actuator compared to, say, for example, a pneumatic actuator, where positioning is much more difficult to achieve. Um, You have much more repeatable and accurate uh, precision using an electric actuator.
2: Yeah, I would echo those same thoughts that You know, the biggest pro is what Chris already identified is controlled motion where you can precisely move a load or control a thrust force um, with programmable computer intelligence and our type of actuators uh, and and in general that this type of actuator is relatively power dense as compared to other types of actuators. The only one that would be more power density would be a hydraulic cylinder.
0: When working with customers to achieve an optimum solution, what do they need to know about the process to ensure the results they're looking for?
2: I'd say that the biggest thing is they need to, we use a mnemonic called actuator, if you will. The word actuator stands for uh, eight different items that we try to track to get a good valid uh, expectation of what the customer is looking for. So, those i won 't go through that now we could if you if you wanted to, but basically it's trying to to cover the minimum set of physical attributes that we're looking for from a customer to get the optimum solution. I always use the word optimum, not necessarily the best because usually the best costs more money, and a lot of times customers are on a fixed budget, so we try to optimize what they 're looking for with the best balance of price and performance
1: defining what what the spec is at the beginning of the project. Uh, puts you on the best path for the optimal solution, you know, having, having a uh, spec creep throughout the project can really, mm. really add up by the end. And you might be uh, too far down the road in one design that it's too costly to change gears and go to with a different, different type of configuration or design that, you know, it makes more, is, is the optimal solution.
0: Does that happen a lot?
2: It can happen more frequently than, than you would like it to happen. You <laughs> have to really be paying attention with a customer that, uh, like, like Chris said, to, to be aware and prevent mission creep or spec creep where a customer says, oh, uh, and when you get to the end of the line, well, uh, I really wanted to move this faster. Can we go faster? Well, maybe, maybe not. Then we have to go back and repeat, which is some of it is going to happen regardless. Um, you don't, I always say to uh, sales engineers and salespeople that are working in this field that you're never going to get hundred percent Of the information the first time, and even if you do, it's not going to be 100% correct. So it's an iterative process. But Chris is absolutely right that that's the key to to capturing you know and preventing capturing the the important information and and steering guiding the the customer into the right product for them or the optimal product.
0: How much weight can linear electromechanical actuators carry?
1: we have a a, a slew of different sizes and drives so we can handle pretty much any payload between, you know, practically, uh, you know, weightless to, we have, uh, done previous applications with very large gantry that held 2000 kilograms, you know, depending on what, what you're carrying, how fast you need to move, what the distances are, we can, we can pretty much find a solution for, for any, any of those. You
0: just said something, uh, on fast how how about speed how fast can
1: they go that kind of goes back to the the drive type and the the guide type so on our uh, speedy rail that can travel up to 15 meters per second which is about 33 and a half miles per hour so uh, I, I think you can see why it's called speedy rail <laughs> and then for uh, some of our our standard you know belt driven recirculating ball ball guide uh, actuators those are you know more about 5 meters per second
2: which is 200 inches per second, which is pretty darn fast too. Wow!
1: For other drive types, for uh, for example, a ball screw, we can go you know closer to 1.6 meters per second. But with the ball screw, you also have to consider what the length is, so that 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 varies.
0: So again, I guess it comes right down to uh, specs and what you're looking to achieve to make sure that you're getting the right weight and speed actuator.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah,
2: and there's as Chris mentioned earlier, there's different types of uh, drives that we offer. By drives, we mean what is the the motive force that, that moves the actuator. And, you know, I'll just repeat, Chris said that, you know, we have belt drives, which are industrial strength timing belts, and we have ball screw drives, which is a mechanical device that converts rotary motion into linear motion. These all convert, as Chris said earlier, rotary motion into linear motion. Then we have rack and pinion drives, which is very similar to what's in most, um, you know, cars, automobiles today that has a rack and pinion to create the linear motion. So yeah, it depends on, you know, what the customer really needs in the way of the motive force that can, and the amount of uh, travel distance they need or stroke. So as Chris said, they're limited. The the different ways of of moving the linear actuator has limitations on speed and acceleration and, and stroke. Which that's the kind of thing that will work with a customer to optimize you know exactly what we think they need and that and that they concur that that's what they need
0: on the strokes, what are the shortest and longest strokes typically available, and how long to take delivery
1: for the shortest stroke um on most of our systems they're configured down to the millimeter, so we can if you need ten millimeters of stroke i mean we can we can do 10 millimeters and we can go up with the rack and pinion. It's basically uh, infinite length because you can just join the rack. Um, there's no detriment to having a longer rack because of uh, the, the type of mechanism it is. So we can go to whatever length you need, um, depending on the other drive types. For example, ball screws, they're they are much more limited on the length. And that's for a, a variety of reasons. One is just the, uh, the length of screw you can get as a stock and also you're limited by how quickly you can rotate the ball screw because uh, you can think of it kind of as a guitar string. The longer the guitar strings, you have a bass guitar. It's a very low note, hmm. which how that corresponds is you can only go a certain speed before the ball screw will actually vibrate, start vibrating like a guitar string and actually can destroy itself. So you have other limitations on that. So it, it really goes down to what the drive type is. Be- beyond that, we can configure down to whatever... Stroke we really need, yeah,
2: for instance, we had a application recently where a customer wanted to move um move a load a fairly heavy load, I think it was it would be a, it was a pallet of some kind of product that they actually wanted to move down uh the length of basically a football field it was about a hundred hundred yards long in total length, so we were proposing a system that that would accommodate that using um, a rack and pinion drive, like Chris said, that we could um, make it modular to where we could build up to basically a hundred yard or a hundred meter total stroke length.
0: Uh, what's the price range of these actuators? Really, what do they go for? As we said, these are electromechanical
2: things, so you're you're getting a level of precision, you know, beyond what you might get with a air cylinder, for instance, where you can buy. Uh, an air cylinder that will accomplish linear motion, although, like Chris said earlier, it's a bang bang device. It only has two positions, basically open and close, depending on the, the valving and the airflow. Um, but anyway, getting to your to the, to the main question here, what's the price range? Well, they can be for you know shorter, lower capacity actuators. You might be talking a few hundred dollars. Certainly, you know less than a thousand dollars. And they can go on up to, you know, well over $100,000. Like we we're just talking about the one that was 100 meters long would be well over $100,000 in sure. uh, in price and cost. So it's in that range. I'd say the, you know, the typical, if you will, just for a single axis As we say we can, we can combine these. We haven't really touched on that. We combine these in multi-axis systems where you have, you know, three different XYZ directions of motion combined in one. What we would call the technical term would be a Cartesian robot, a single axis, say a belt driven or ball screw actuator in a range of maybe, uh, you know, a meter or so of stroke. A couple meters would be in the range of a few thousand dollars up to maybe uh, approaching ten thousand dollars, depending on exactly all the factors that they're looking for. So in general, they uh, an average price would be probably in the low thousands.
0: So, it would sound like clients would reach out and work with you on their project to really determine what the best case needs are um you know from from speed size price, all of that um and then you can help them determine what's the right actuator for their job
2: exactly yeah, that's what we we really um like to pat ourselves on the back that we do that as as well as anybody. Uh, in the industry of really zeroing in on a customer and being fairly nimble and quick to get to the the application details of what they want to do.
0: Is there anything else someone needs to know about these actuators, anything additional other than what we've talked about that could lead to less than satisfactory results?
2: Yeah, it's um, so important is getting the specs right that like Chris already mentioned up front, trying right. to capture that set of specs. Another couple of things that come to mind for me anyway is Uh, proper sizing of of the motors. As Chris mentioned earlier, these things are generally driven by an electric motor, whether it's a uh, a servo motor or a stepper motor, or even a uh, variable frequency drive motor, even a DC can motor, various typical industrial type motors uh, with the primary one being servo motors, which offer a lot of distinct advantages for using our actuators. Now we don't don't manufacture any uh, motors ourselves, but we're very good at being able to size them properly for a customer um, and advise them on what we think is a good match for what they're trying to do as far as speed acceleration uh, low capacity uh, or in the case of the motor torque capacity so I'd, I'd say proper sizing of motors you know over the years we've had you know some misfires when a customer didn't um, avail themselves of our help and they put a motor on it and and a lot of times if it's a belt drive where we provide a uh, matching high precision planetary gearbox to go with these and uh, if the motor isn't sized correctly it, it can lead to either underperformance or overkill you're spending <laughs> uh, you're getting overperformance you're spending too much on your motor and control system
1: I agree exactly with that even just understanding what the, what the the specs that we're requesting and you know half of that is is our responsibility to you know properly explain what what types of requirements we need to understand to make the proper selection so the communication with kind of go back to what we touched on before where we have uh, regional engineers throughout the country so we have a you have a local representative that you can talk to and go through all the details of the project and um, you know communication is key between you know from both sides one example uh, you know customers like to specify length you know i need what what length you need 60 inches Okay, so the actual question is: Is that stroke length or overall length? Because you don't want to say we don't want to run on uh, sixty inches of stroke, and then that turns out that's overall length, and the product you get does not fit.
2: Doesn't fit in the space available. Yeah, that happens. That happens more often than you think. That that people um, don't understand, and and like Chris said, we maybe don't explain to them adequately that if you want sixty inches of stroke, the actuator is going to be longer than sixty inches. Mm. or you can and if it's a retrofit type of thing where they only have a certain amount of space to fit this in then it becomes it becomes a big issue it becomes a mess actually <laughs> if we don't <laughs> if we don't identify that up front and help the customer understand what they're getting into uh,
0: with all the you know differences uh, b- between different actuators and focusing here on linear motor actuators and other drive mechanisms in actuators are there situations when one type of actuator is preferred over another, or are both methods kind of equal?
1: Absolutely. It, uh, it depends on what the, uh, what the application is. So, and so some of the factors to consider is, uh, like we, we talked about before, stroke length, but you might also be considering uh, what precision you need. So linear motors are extremely precise. But at the same time, they have their disadvantages where they, they cannot actually transmit that much thrust force hmm. compared to, a, a, say, for example, a ball screw. So you can get a ball screw that is, uh, you know, five micron repeatability and can trans- transmit, uh, you know, 10,000 newtons. Uh, you'll, you'll get better accuracy on a, a linear motor, but you will not get 10,000 newtons out of a linear motor.
2: Right, unless it's very, very large, and then it would be way out of the price range usually of the budget, yeah, that's a, a linear motor is basically you're taking a rotary motor and unfolding it, rolling it out, so now it's a straight straight line device, mm. and they have a lot of cachet, people really gravitate to that because they'll say, oh well this is seems more straightforward, simpler, there's not as many moving parts things to to fail, but as Chris just pointed out, the ability of it to do work and and not overheat and carry, uh, provide a thrust force or carry a, a heavy load is really limited. And that's the big drawback. The, the pros for it is, as Chris said, they can, be very, they can be very precise and they can stop on a dime and, and be highly repeatable. But um, as Chris already said, I'm just repeating that the ball screw will provide a ton more of, of thrust capacity and do uh, can be in the range of the repeatability as well.
0: Well, certainly if there's a theme today, it's you know think about the project and the process and what you need to accomplish and have those specs really determined up front and that will help determine the right actuator for you um so that kind of wraps things up for our time today but just as maybe as a final package here why don't you each give me a last thought on linear electromechanical actuators
1: one thing that we kind of we kind of touched on a little bit, but uh, the design of all these actuators is modular, so they can be combined in all different orientations, different configurations. So the best way to determine the you know the proper orientation for your application would be to you know reach out, communicate, go through all the project specs, um, and you know to to fully understand the project and take the experience of all the past applications we've worked on. Um, we can really supply. The, the optimal solution
2: yeah, that's interesting. I would kind of echo the same thought at uh, chris that's uh, I would say that you know these are what we offer in linear electromechanical actuators these are rugged industrial strength devices, and they can really um, provide the same motion profiles as the more sexy anthropomorphic or six axis robots, the type of robot that people think of you know in the movies where you see a, <laughs> a robotic arm moving around and doing welding or firing a laser uh, gun at somebody. So our devices, when combined uh, in an XYZ configuration, they can support higher load capacities and a larger range of motion. So I I echo what Chris just said. Call us. We have really skilled people in the arts of doing this. Call us with your toughest application or um, an application you've been mulling over. And and I would say, and see if we can help you find uh, the optimum solution.
0: So, are you saying if we're going to build the Terminator, we might need a linear electromechanical actuator? That's right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it would be more, uh, it wouldn't be as sexy, but it would certainly get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: my guests today have been Roland's Bob Ward, regional manager, and Christopher Hirsch, actuator project manager. Uh if folks want to reach out, which sounds like they're going to want to, um, to roll on, uh, to help them with their actuator, uh, needs. What's the best way for them to do that?
1: You can go on uh roll on.com, uh, on roll on.com. There's contact form. You can look up, uh, the sales reps for, for your location. And, you know, you'll have all the contact information there, emails, uh, phone numbers. You can reach out to uh, someone local in your area. They can, you can set up a call to, uh, You know, have them come visit you on site, discuss your application, you know, go through all the details.
2: Yeah, that's that's probably the best way is hit our website or um, call us up. All the all the various, as Chris mentioned, the sales rep, sales engineers are all listed on our website with phone numbers and emails. So, yeah, that's reach out to us and, and we'll take it from there.
0: And for inquiries on Terminator schematics, just reach out to Bob Ward personally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob and Chris, thanks for your time today.
2: Thank you, James. Thank you. I won't be back.
0: <laughs> no, you'll be back. You'll definitely be back uh thank you for tuning in to this episode of line it up brought to you by Rolon. if you enjoyed this episode make sure you're subscribing to the show on apple podcast or spotify you can catch past episodes and new ones as we bring them to you and we'll have more episodes of line it up coming your way in the near future so be on the lookout for those but until then i'm your host james kent let's talk again soon